Welcome to this special bonus episode of La Biblia Land Wahala. I'm Anthony Stevens of Power FM and TV. In this bonus episode, we will bring you my full interview with the Liberia resident representative of the United Nations Development Program, Stephen Rodriguez. The UNDP is the key international partner with Liberia's climate change adaptation, and we discussed how the UNDP and international partners are helping Liberia adapt to the changing climate. Welcome to this interview, sir. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure. It, it's a very important issue. So for us, um, we're always happy to talk to the media and to the general public about this issue and the program that we're, we have launched. How serious is climate change for Liberia? Climate change is serious for all of us, for everyone in every country on the planet. The climate is changing. The world is getting warmer. The planet is getting warmer. And across the world, we see the sea level is rising. And Liberia is one of those countries that are most affected. What we're seeing, and you go to West Point, you go to New Town, you go to Buchanan, you hear the same thing. People tell you that the sea is coming. And they've seen it over the last few decades. When I went first to New Town, people told me that the sea used to be you know, way out there, now it's here, and now it's here. They tell me that they used to have their houses. I'm, I'm looking out where the sea is. Their, their houses used to be out there, but the sea has taken all of that now. And so for the people in Liberia, for the people in Liberia, climate change is a catastrophic reality. It's literally eating up the ground from beneath their feet and right before their eyes plunging them into an uncertain future. This is a crucial issue for Liberia. It's important for people's lives, for their livelihoods, for their homes, for their schools, and so on. You've been to these communities. What have you seen? What I've seen is that the people who are most vulnerable, who are most at risk, are the very poor. So it's fishermen and fisherwomen. They're poor folks who live in the area. They work in the area. And I've seen these folks really worried about their future, about whether they will have a home, whether they'll be able to apply their trade to do what they normally do to earn a living. And I've also seen the wetlands, like the Meserado River, and the same out in uh, Marshall and Buchanan, that are being destroyed because people are using the, the, the trees from the wetland as firewood. And so something has to be done, not just to protect the coastal defenses and to ensure that people are protected, but to protect the wetlands as well, because those are vital for fisheries, for water, for many other things. So this is what we're seeing. In other words, you think Liberia's whole future is hanging by a threat? It's very important because it's not just West Point. I mentioned that we have done this work in Buchanan. We have done this work in New Crew Town. This year, we intend to start in Sino. Everywhere along the coast, the sea is coming in. And so it is vital for countries like Liberia because it could have catastrophic long-term consequences for the country. What is the UNDP's role in tackling climate change? What has it done so far? Well, we play many different roles. One is at the global level. 
just joining the coalition of institutions and nations that are trying to make the world know what's happening to Liberia is not all because of what Liberians are doing. It's because of what's happening right across the globe. So it's important for everyone to understand that they have a role to play. When people are cutting trees in different parts of the world or running their air conditioning morning, noon and night, people in the Pacific Islands are at risk of seeing their whole country dis disappear. And the same thing with Liberia. So here, we're working with the Environmental Protection Agency. We're working with the Ministry of Mines and Energy. And we're looking to do a number of things. One is the actual coastal defense systems, we call the revetment, to protect the coastal areas. But we're also looking to put in place an integrated coastal zone management system and to ensure that the institutions that are responsible can better manage these coastal areas. But we also want to build awareness among citizens, among government policymakers, amongst the private sector, that the actions we all collectively take impacts what's happening to sea level rise and what's happening to Liberia. So we all have a role to play. And so we have helped to bring the resources to Liberia. Uh, we secured with the EPA uh, 25 uh, million, a little over $25 million to help with this program. But the program will do many things, including the actual coastal defense systems, but also, as I said, supporting the livelihoods of the poor people, helping them to better protect their wasteland, their, their wetlands, um, helping them with alternative livelihoods and co better coastal zone protection management. Alternative livelihoods such as? There, there are different things that we're doing, um, including better cook stoves. Uh, so people will, will go into the wetlands and they'll take the wood and they burn the wood for to use to cook and so on. But we're looking at um, cook stoves that don't rely on firewood. We're providing them like the fisher folks with the cold storage facility. A lot of them have fish and they dry the fish and, and we're helping them with better fish drying, like using solar drying facilities as well so they don't need to cut wood to dry their fish. Um, the cold storage facility for their fish and so on. So there's a lot of equipment for the for those fisher folks, but there's also training into new um, livelihood opportunities, different things that they can do to earn a livelihood that doesn't destroy the environment. The construction of the border wars, um, isn't it a temporary uh, solution? It is temporary from the point of view of, in the long term, the sea will not stop rising because we're building walls. <laughs> so we have to find a way to stop the sea from rising. So these coastal defense systems, we're using the, the finest technology and the best know-how we, we have available. And so they're projected to last for, for about 40 to 50 years. So it will keep the communities protected, but we need to stop the sea from rising, which is why I made the point that globally, and Liberia has a role to play in, in going to COP26 and many of these international fora to let the global community know that the things that happen in the USA, in Europe, in, affects Liberia.
and affects the lives and livelihoods of Liberians for generations to come. So some, some, experts, some experts are suggesting that relocation is, is the best alternative in this case because the coastal defense project could just be temporary, as you've already acknowledged. We've heard those arguments, and, and we're happy to share the full report on this because a feasibility study that was done with all the stakeholders, including the government, including the communities, looking at the best alternatives. And they looked at relocation and they decided that it was not the best option. And, and so the coastal defense system was a selected option. But one thing that the communities said is, if you move us, we're fisher folks. If you move us inland, what will we do? We don't have any other skills, any other knowledge. This is what we have done for generations. We know how to fish. And so it's not always easy to simply relocate people. And if you're relocating them to another coastal area, how soon before you have the same problem of the sea encroaching there as well? The best bet is collectively we keep global warming within that 1.5 degree target that the UN globally as set for the world. That is the best thing because it means that the sea doesn't continue to rise. And it means we don't need to keep building these systems. Maybe in a hundred years, we're trying to move all of Liberia somewhere else. We need to take drastic action on stopping sea level rise. What can a country like Liberia do? Liberia is, is, is not emitting uh, as compared to big economies like the United States, like China, like Russia, what can they do? They can do many things, one of which is to take action within their own borders, meaning Liberia can ensure that it's promoting green growth and green development. It's not uh, adopting things like the plastic pollution it is not destroying its own forests, its own wetlands, and so on. So green growth within Liberia's borders is within Liberia's control. But secondly, Liberia can ensure that it's part of the growing international coalition of nations and institutions that are promoting um, tackling climate change. So when Liberia goes to COP26 and many of these international fora, Liberia goes as part of the African bloc, it goes as part of the group of 77 bloc, and it goes as part of a growing uh, community of nations that are saying we must act. So Liberia has to act nationally, it has to form regional alliances, and it has to form international alliances because collectively we have one planet for all of us doesn't matter whether we're Liberians or the U.S. If we destroy this planet, then we have nothing to live on. Funding could be very key in all this. And the Liberian government, when we spoke to uh, Wilson Tapia recently, he did talk about some funding that the government is, um, is targeting over $400 million. Uh, how can they get this kind of money? Where can they get it from? Can the UNDP, for example, help in this depression to help Labira source uh, such, of, such funding? No, no, that's exactly what we're doing. Um, Liberia can continue to leverage the expertise of the UN. What we did, for instance, with this new program for West Point is we partnered with EPA and they used our systems and our knowledge to develop the pro 
to pro the program and to submit the application to the Green Climate Fund. And we're doing that with them for a number of other initiatives, including the Sinoa project that I mentioned, which is for another 8.9 million. And we're, we're looking to work with EPA, with the Ministry of Agriculture, on a host of other funding opportunities for Liberia, including some of the exciting things that people are talking about, carbon payments. Liberia is actually providing services to the global community by having a forest that mm -hmm. it protects. The world can pay Liberia for, for that, and that's called carbon payments. And so other countries are beginning to take advantage of that. And so we're beginning to look not just as UNDP, but some of the other development partners here, some of the other donors, how do we support Liberia to be ready to attract those kinds of funding? How can you explain uh, the, the risks that, that are involved in all these, uh, uh, the, the risks that the, the residents go through, the risks that Liberia will face? Is uh, Liberians will face tens of thousands of people leaving uh, to start to move to other areas because their homes and livelihoods could be threatened by the sea. Uh, where can they go? The, the issue for us is to take all the steps that we can take to protect people now, but also to prevent further escalation of this problem. So we, we, we see this immediate community of West Point as just one community that we can support. And we can support Sinon, but we can't keep doing the same thing right across the country. We simply don't have the resources. Not just UNDP, the Green Climate Fund can't do that for every single country that's facing climate change. So I, I do want your listeners to understand that this is not a West Point story. This is a global issue and we all collectively have a responsibility to some, some things we can do in our own homes. Some things we can use our voice to lobby and I'd love to see some of the, the young people globally. There's a wonderful young lady from, from Kenya, um, the Swedish teenager, using their voice to say, this is our future. It's not just about West Point today. It's about whether we will have these coasts, these countries, these communities 50 years, 100 years from now. And it's within our control as a human species. It's within our control. Now, how worried are you about an increase in migration to Europe uh, as a result of all this? Well, that's already happening and not just from Liberia or not just from... West Africa, we're seeing those kinds of things happening right across the world where people are trying to um, find safer places to move, whether it's because of sea level rise or there are other consequences of climate change. Some places are getting hotter and more inhospitable for human um, living. And, and so people are being affected by climate change across the globe. And when that happens, they move. Um, and so it, it's, it's a concern for all of us um, and something that we, we all have to collectively deal with. Some places, uh, the heat causes less water. People don't have enough water to live in those areas, so they have to move. You look at some of the coastal areas in Ghana, they're having similar issues to Liberia. It's, it's not a unique issue to, 
one country. And that could happen very often in the region. Yes, and more and more it is happening in the region. And we already have areas like the Sahel, which we're seeing, you know, getting drier. Um, and and the, these issues are, I mean, we in the UN, we're, we're very conscious of it. And, and we have all kinds of programs, all kinds of initiatives for the Sahel, for different countries in West Africa. But you, you, there's so much you can do to fix a problem after it has happened. <laughs> the best thing is to stop it from happening in the first place. You've spoken a lot about the Green Climate Fund. Tell us more about them. What do they do? They, they are one of the new instruments that were, was created a few years ago. Um, the, the global community recognizing that climate change is one of what I would call an existentialist issue, meaning the way our climate is changing could threaten our very existence as human beings. So they created this fund and the agreement was to capitalize it to provide approximately $100 billion per year to finance these kinds of programs in countries like Liberia and, and elsewhere. And so it, it is a very vital um, support facility for countries like Liberia. And, and this is one of the first big initiatives that's been funded from the Green Climate Fund. Why are developed countries funding adaptation for developing countries? Well, it's because we're, we're in this together. There are many developed countries that are very much conscious and aware of the fact that one, they might have contributed to some of the problems, but they're also aware that if things continue to get worse in developing countries, that problem is going to spill over. And you mentioned, for instance, migration. If people can't live in their countries and in their communities, then they're going to move somewhere else. And that place tends to be Europe or the U.S. and so on. So we, they have a vested interest. We're, we're tied like twins at the hip in this. Um, and so I'm, I'm very pleased to see that level of enlightenment. But we also need those developed countries to meet their commitments. They committed to contribute 0.7% of their gross domestic product to support um, developing countries. Many of them are not meeting that obligation. They committed to provide funding to the Green Climate Fund of a certain amount. They're not providing uh, that level of funding. And so we do need them to step up and to honor those commitments and obligations even more. Are you satisfied with the government's uh, plan uh, to tackle climate change so far? We, we have a very good partnership, a very good collaboration with the Liberian government, and we work very well with the Environmental Protection Agency. Now, for us, there are some key things. One, when the governments went to Paris um, for, for the... Paris Climate um, Accord, each government said that they would make certain commitments. It's called the NDCs, their nationally determined contributions, what they will do to tackle climate change. Liberia has put forward a very ambitious, a very solid, very ambitious program. It's NDCs. We need to work very closely with the government and with the other development partners and with the private sector to see that realized. So it's, it's not a question of um, happiness with or contentment with. It's 
simply a matter of there is a plan in place. It is very good. It is robust. How do we ensure that it gets implemented? And that's a responsibility of all of us. Corruption is obviously a major challenge in Liberia. We've seen the Agriculture Ministry in the corruption investigation now. Um, how does the international community ensure that the money is spent where it needs to be spent and doesn't go into the pockets of individuals? Well, first, the first responsibility is for the integrity institutions that the country has set up. And our interest is to ensure that those institutions are able to do their job and to do their job well. Um, and we applaud a lot of the efforts that we're seeing by the government to strengthen those institutions. Um, the initiative to provide special prosecutorial powers to the LACC, to pass new money laundering bills and so on. Those are, are all very, very important. So, uh, of course, I can't comment on any particular ministry or agency. The key thing is that the institutions need to be able to work and work well and to hold any ministry, any institution, any individual accountable. And that's what we as development partners are here to do. We provide support to those integrity institutions. And UNDP, we support LACC, for instance, the World Bank, ADB, and many others provide support to these institutions. The second thing is, for our specific programs that we have with different ministries and agencies, we put in place strong systems to ensure that there's accountability for every dollar of our resources that is used for the purposes for which it was intended. Is the UNDP troubled particularly about what's happening at the Agriculture Ministry? I can't comment on what is happening there. As I said, there's process being followed. And as long as it's transparent and um, due process is followed, then we'll all see the outcome. Finally, uh, the UNDP announcement about uh, the Moravia Metropolitan Climate Resilience Project says that the UNDP secured funds from the Green Climate Fund, so the government will not be handling the funds? We, the government will be handling a portion of the fund. We have an agreement with the, both the Environmental Protection Agency and the Ministry of Mines and Energy. Um, and so some portions of the resources will be directly managed by them and some by the UN. And that's uh, an agreement that we, we came to with the entities. So it, it wouldn't be accurate to say that they will not be handling funds. How much would the UNDP handle? How much would the government handle? It's, it's not a, a total figure. It's more a, a question of um, the type of transactions and the value, the value of transactions will determine which entity handles. And that's uh, an operational detail um, that was you know, discussed and worked through with, with both ministry, the ministry and EPA. Any other thing you want to say before we leave you, Mr. Rodriguez? The, the one thing I want to say is let's not wait on government, let's not wait on the UN, let's not wait on the EPA. We all have a role to play. And that individual, you know, joining a small group and begin to raise their voice and that group becoming larger, if it matters to you, and it should then begin to take action in your individual dimension, domain, in your group, in your school, in your community. 
start taking action because in the long term this is going to matter to us our kids our grandkids and generations to come thank you for your time mr red you guys my pleasure no money no voice no money no voice no money no noise no money no noise that was the labira representative for the united nations development program UNDP, Steven Rodriguez, joining me on this bonus episode of Labira Land Wahala. This podcast is a collaboration from Frontpage Africa and Power FM and TV. Funding comes from the UK Foreign Commonwealth and Development Office and the American Jewish World Service. I'm Anthony Stevens. Thanks for listening. <laughs>